That's my, one of my children, one of my adopted children, spiritually. Um, but anyway, God opened the door for me to visit Cuba. I had to go in through the back door because of um, relationships with the U.S. and, and Cuba. And, uh, but God supernaturally opened the door for me to get in and to go in. And there were 40 leaders of churches there that um, I taught during the day. I would start probably about 8 o'clock in the morning, and um, I would teach them all day long. I mean, we would stop probably about 30 minutes for a lunch break, um, and then we'd start back, and they would keep me there teaching them till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. They didn't want me to leave. I mean, they were like starving. And um, they just kept wanting to, you know, me to stay a little while longer. And then we'd leave at 5 o'clock, and they would take me back to the hotel, and, uh, and I would have time just to get there long enough, maybe to brush my teeth or change my clothes because, you know, there wasn't air conditioning and it was hot and things like that. Sometimes I'd change, sometimes I wouldn't because we'd be back then at one of the churches at 7 o'clock. And uh, then we would minister to the people. These were leaders during the day. And then it would be the people at night. And we'd start at 7 o'clock ministering to the people. And they were packed in there till they were pouring out the back door. And we would be there to 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning trying to get to the people and minister to them because there were so many needs and just so hungry and thirsty. And, I mean, it was just, I mean, you just, there's no way you can imagine. There's no way you can because I couldn't. And, uh, and I've got pictures and where I just had to hold out my hand and they just crowded around me like I was, I don't know, I, you know, and they just wanted just to, you know, just to touch, you know, it's almost like Jesus, the hem of his garment. And who am I? Nothing but a little South Georgia girl that just loves Jesus. But it was like, you represent something we are so hungry and we won't let me just get just a touch of it. And I would just reach my arm out like that and hold my body so that so many could get around me. And there would just be just a ton of them around me, as thick as, you know, it could be. And I'd begin to pray, and they'd just all fall like dominoes to the floor, just under the power of God. Well, see, folks, that's not me. I mean, I'm the same person here in, in Jessup, Georgia, as I am, you know, there. That, it's not me, it's, it's God and the anointing of the Lord and his, his love for the people. And his anointing is upon you in that same way if you will carry that to the people. But then you've got to have people hungry, you know, and, and wanting more of God. But what I was getting around to sharing that to you, with you is because there, they are so deprived of all the basics that we know here. I was there just before Thanksgiving. I came back maybe like the weekend before Thanksgiving was the next weekend. And I said, this will be the most thankful Thanksgiving I will ever have in my whole life. Because when my feet touched in on uh, American soil and I walked through that airport and I saw CNN and I saw all, <laughs> I saw 
uh, Dobbs and I saw the stock market and I, you know, I saw football and I mean, I saw all the things that let me know I was back in America. I thought, if Americans could ever have this experience, we would not gripe and complain ever again. We would not sit around and whine and moan because we don't have this and we don't have that and I didn't get this and I didn't get that and God didn't do this for me and he didn't do that for you. You know, we would, ah, uh-uh. because those people have lost all everything that's of any value as a person. They don't get to own cars. They don't own homes. They don't own anything. The government owns it all. You just get to live in that house and pay rent to the government. Or you get, well, they don't get cars. They can't go anywhere. They don't have cars. The only people that have a car are the, is the government. And if you have a government job and they let you drive that car, they let you meet at a corner, they pick you up on a bus, they take you, you get to drive that car to wherever you go to work and come right back and give it back. You don't get to own cars. And when they asked me, they said, uh, do you own a car? I said, uh, yes. My husband has one. My son's got one. My daughter's got one. I mean, you know, like, I, I mean, I didn't tell them that, but I was just thinking, here they're thinking it's just was something that I own my own car. And I was thinking, and just about every home has more than, you know, several sitting in the parking, in the, in the driveway. It's such a different world when you go into these places, when you see how people where they're living and what they're living in and what things are like for them. We are such a blessed, blessed, blessed nation. We're such a blessed people. And we've got to come to a place of of a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of humility where we can begin to realize, oh, Father, without you, it is your goodness, it is your kindness that causes my life to be such that it is. It's your hand upon our lives. <clears throat> and I believe that this is going to be this, that having that heart of humility and a heart of thanksgiving and having our priorities in order is going to be such a key point of the days ahead of us and where God takes us and where the enemy takes us. And um, my topic today is the master of deception. Is he among us? And um, it's kind of strange to me because that's not really what I had on my mind to think of, talk about and, and to minister to you about, but that is what's on the heart of God. And so lately the Lord has begun to direct my attention uh, to the subtle but the powerful spirit of deception that is operating upon the earth. And um, I accidentally came upon a website the other day that um, had everybody that you can think of in ministry today listed. All their names. Well, all the famous people anyway are the most known, well-known people in ministry. You know, Benny Hinn and um, Patricia King or whoever you would think of, their name was listed on there. And you could click on their name and you could go and read all about anything about them, their lives. 
uh, not necessarily like a, um, an autobiography or some kind of biography that somebody's written about they were born and so-and-so and they lived. Mm-mm, not that kind of thing. This kind of thing was keeping up with what they're doing and what they're saying. And if they are really fakes or genuine, and this is, the, I guess, this person's opinion. I don't know because uh, it was surprising to me well, I'll just give you an example of one because this is one that's come out so much about it, but like the Todd Bentley thing. You know, I mean, he stood on stage and said da-da-da-da-da, you know, the, you know, just, uh, you know, September the 4th, he was in Lakeland, Florida, he said this, and I mean, it was detailed. Somebody had kept up with detailed information, services they were in, what they said, what the follow-up was, whether it was true, whether it was a lie, you know, just all this detailed information about all these ministries. I clicked over to Rick Joyner, and I clicked over to, you know, some of the ones that I really respect to just see what they would say. And some of them didn't have a lot of bad things to say. Uh, Some of them, you know, actually they said some good things about them. But it was pretty much... Keeping up with everybody's ministries and what they're saying and what they're doing and what they're standing for and whether they're really genuinely and in their private life, whether they're really living this way or that way or whatever. And it really grieved my heart. And I thought, who in the world would have time to tend to somebody else's business in such detail? But evidently some people do. And maybe some of that is uh, from the enemy. And I think a lot of it is to tear down and destroy the lives and the, and the re- reputations of people in ministry. On the other hand, it could be uh, helpful uh, to let us know as people in ministry that our lives are under the microscope, that what we say and what we do is going to be held accountable, that we're going to be held accountable for what we what we say and do. And not only are we going to be held accountable for what we say and do, but we're going to be held accountable for the way we live in everyday life. That we not only have to preach it to you and to teach it to you, but we got to walk it ourselves. So, you know, in a way, I, don't, I didn't mind it in a way. And in one way I did. I thought, well, that's so unfair. Um, uh, but then on the other hand, I thought, well, if we're living right and we're doing right, then we shouldn't be afraid for people to put us under the microscope. But I do remember reading years ago about people in ministry that had gone before us, the pioneers, um, people like the A.A. A. Allens and the um, Mariah Woodworth Edder and, the, you know, all of those. Um, spur, um, oh, I was trying to think. Of, well, it don't matter, but uh, John G. Lake and just a bunch of them. And I remember how those people had critiqued their lives and had written all kinds of things about them. And one thing I noticed was that they really tried to find something wrong, that it was almost like, you know, anything they could say or do to discredit them, that's what they would do. So there's a fine line there between the enemy working to discredit a ministry and then truth being exposed I mean no things being exposed because you know the Bible tells us be sure and know that your sins will find you out and also the Bible tells us to be quick to repent so you know 
really, it's not that people in ministry are not real and that they don't have real lives just like everybody. And it's not that people in ministry are not going to make mistakes and they're going to sin or fail. But, you know, we can be quick to repent. We can be quick to um, judge our own lives and judge ourselves. And, if you know, the Holy Spirit convicts us to repent of that and turn because the Lord tells us that if we repent, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And the blood does that. So you may say to me then, what is your point? (laughs) Because on one hand, there is an enemy out there working against ministries. Hold on just one minute. There's an enemy out there working against ministries to stop the anointing and stop the power of of what's going forth in their lives. But then there's also that, uh, those checks and balances, those things that will help us to realize that, you know, we do have people watching what we're saying and doing. People are paying attention whether we think they are or not. And when we're on our jobs and we have opportunity to do things that are not godly, we need to realize it doesn't matter if these people don't go to my church. It doesn't matter if these people are um, somewhere back in the back office, back they're not paying any attention. Let me tell you something. They're paying attention, and they're taking notes, and they're keeping up. And, uh, and you just need to just always know that what you do, you do it as unto the Lord. And if nobody else is watching, he always is. And so our lives should be an open, you know, we should feel comfortable to to live our lives openly because, you know, the Lord told me uh, back in 08, he says, I'm shaking. And he said, and, and, you know, I probably have told you this and I don't want to repeat, but he was saying, I'm shaking and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And I was concerned about a lot of things. And he said, don't worry about the shaking. Just worry about what's going to fall out of the pockets of those whom I'm shaking. Because people have things in their pockets, you know, they kind of have things a little hidden away that they're hiding away and they think nobody knows. And when I get home and nobody knows what I'm doing, I can do this, that, and the other, and it, it's okay. But God says he's going to expose that stuff. So what's happening is things are being exposed. Things that people want to cover up, God's just letting the cover come off and things are being exposed. Now, let's go back to the spirit of deception. You know... This is what is uh, on my heart and on the heart of the Lord is that we must uh, realize that when we meet people and we're in situations and we're being introduced to new people, new ministries coming in, uh, whatever, we need to always be aware of uh the deceptive spirit being a part of any anything that's going on around us. Therefore, we need to begin to pray earnestly for the spirit of discernment. I know when I was young, uh, as a younger woman, um, I have to say I was very naive. I probably still am to a certain extent. But very naive. I've always loved people and just trusted people and just thought everybody was just meant good, you know, and that kind of thing. And because of that naive, uh, childlike viewpoint of life I didn't ever uh, suspect people or I wasn't I thought people's intentions were always good and so therefore I really was deceived very often by many many people because their uh, purposes were not good but evil 
And so I would get taken for a ride. I would be conned or hoodooed or whatever word we want to use to mean that I was just, you know, taken advantage of. Um, and it took me years, you know, I'd cry and I'd say, but Lord, you know, I thought that they were, you know, whatever. And I, you know, just feel sorry for myself because I had fallen for their uh, con job. And, uh, but the Lord says, you know, that he began to explain to me that I had to be uh, as wise as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove that I had to become wise and I had to begin to pray earnestly for the spirit of discernment, that the spirit of the discernment could show me who to trust, who to believe, who to, you know, listen to and who not to listen to. And since that time, I have noticed that the Lord has begun to do that more and more and more and it's gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. And it even got to the point where now sometimes the Spirit of the Lord will speak to me about somebody or a situation, tell me to not be a part of it, and I will not listen. I will know that the Lord's told me that. I will not listen, and it will end up being, um, you know, I'll find out that the Spirit of the Lord, that was the Spirit of discernment uh, showing me to, uh-uh-uh, that's not of me, and, uh, and show me that I should have listened. So I'm finding out more and more, even when it looks good. And a lot of times there are situations where uh, it even looks good and the Spirit of the Lord will give me a uh-uh-uh. And I'll think, well, I don't understand. You know, everybody else likes them. Everybody else is going to their this, that, and the other. And it's just really, you know, looks like it's everything's up and up. Uh-uh-uh. And I think, well, everybody else is doing it. You know, you want to jump on that bandwagon. Well, everybody else is supporting them and going and... Uh-uh-uh. And so I've learned. I said, okay, well, I don't understand it, but, you know, I'll follow you. And then a little while long afterwards, all of it will just explode, and it will all come out, and things will come out. And I think, oh, so that's why you gave me the uh-uh-uh. I've got to learn to trust the spirit of discernment in me. And trust when the spirit of the Lord is showing me that something's not right, that evidently something's not right. And this is so true of where we're going in the days ahead that the spirit of discernment is going to be so needed in the body of Christ. And I'm going to give you scripture in a minute and tell you more about why. But um, um, I know that there's somebody on TV now that the spirit of the Lord spoke to me months and months ago and said, do not listen to anything this person says. Do not allow yourself to sit in front of that TV and listen to them. You will be caught up in a spirit of deception if you do. I, so I do not. If that person comes on TV, I walk out of the room. I do not expose myself to that, whatever that person is saying, because of the strong spirit of deception that is upon them. Now, that comes through learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, learning to listen to the Spirit of God. Now, I want to talk to you about somebody that was a master of deception, and that was Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a master of deception, and in his book, Mion Kempf, he wrote these words, and I want you to listen. He wrote, by means of shrewd lies, unremittingly repeated, it is possible to make people believe that heaven is hell and hell is heaven. The greater the lie, 
the more readily it will be believed. By means of shrewd lies, shrewd means marked by using clever, discerning awareness, implies unusual power to see through in a situation. So by the means of shrewd lies, if they are unremittedly repeated, and that means constant, marked by firm, steadfast resolution or faithfulness, exhibiting consistency of mind, if you, through shrewd lies, you begin to tell people something, and you tell them the same thing constantly, and you don't change your words, you say the same things, you keep saying them over and over and over, and you say them with, with uh, determination, and, uh, and you're consistent in what you're saying, that after a while, people begin to believe it. They begin to believe it. They will even believe something as opposite as heaven is hell and hell is heaven. You can talk people into believing anything through the spirit of deception. Hitler based his whole life on lies. He built his whole career out of living and spreading false information in order to advance his objective. His entire effect on our society was built on lies. His entire whatever, I don't even know what you call what he was, I guess his, his life and what his effect on our society was built on lies. And as a result of that one man's lies, Six million Jews were ripped from their families, taken away from their families, separated from their families. Everything they owned was stripped from them, their possessions, their money, their jewelry, their teeth. Everything they owned was taken from them, and then eventually their own lives were taken from them. Six million because of one man's shrewd lies being repeated consistently and brainwashing and deceiving a people. That is the power of deception. I know you think, oh, I can't be, oh, I wouldn't fall for that. I guess there was a bunch of people that did because he had a lot of people backing him and supporting him. And his whole life, it wasn't that he was a talented, educated, uh, skilled man. He didn't even have any military training. He knew nothing about military training. He knew nothing about running a country. He knew nothing about uh, fighting a war. His whole life was nothing but a big, big deception. But he was able to say it consistently with the spirit of deception operating in his life to have that kind of devastating effect, horrifying effect. Now, think about this. If one man could have such a devastating, horrifying effect on our world, 
then why is it so hard for us to believe that the father of all lies, the father of all deception, could not pull that off on us? Him being a man could pull that off. And we are told by the word of God that we have an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and we don't really believe it? Do we not really think that he could steal from us, kill us, take away what we have as citizens of the United States, that he could not really pull that off on us? so that we do not know the freedoms we know today? Are we naive enough to think that that could not happen? Please, don't let us, Lord, be that immature and that naive in our thinking. We must understand our enemy. Actually, for some of us, we've got to first go back and admit there is one. There are people who do not even believe there's a devil. They say, I don't believe all that stuff about demons and spirits and all that stuff. You know, all that's just religious jargon and people just like to talk about all that stuff. They know that all that's not real. Well, that just makes the enemy's uh, task just a little easier on you because they gonna, he's going to have a heyday on you because he has no resistance whatsoever. Because they think, well, if you don't believe there is a devil, then there's not one. He goes away. Then you got those people who, um, they believe there is a devil, and that's all they think about. I mean, they are so devil conscious, all they're doing is chasing them and look, seeing them behind every bush and every cranny. Oh, you know, I got up this morning and there were ten devils, you know, after me. And, oh, I mean, you talk to them, and every day it's all about what the devil's done. Oh, he's, he's doing this to me, and he's doing that to me, and he's doing this, and he's doing that. And, and that's not right because, listen, he is a defeated foe. Is he powerful? Yes. But are we more powerful with the name of, and the blood of Jesus? Yes. So it's not that we want to give him credit. It's not that we want to glorify him in any way. It's not that we want to talk about the, the enemy all the time. It's just that we want to be aware that there is one. We want to be aware of uh, how things are positioned, that we have power over all the power of the enemy, and we need to know how to resist the enemy and see him flee. But in the meantime, we don't give him any more credit after that. But we do have to acknowledge that there is one, and we have to recognize his strategies, and we have to recognize when he comes on the scene and when things are operating. We cannot be stupid. We cannot be naive. We cannot sit back and pretend it doesn't exist, and we cannot just sit back and let whatever take over and let him take over uh, our churches, our cities, our uh, state, and our, our, our country. So there's a fine line there between recognizing that there is an enemy and, uh, and, and standing against that and then being extremely too involved in it. And you can get people on both sides of that. And so I'm not wanting you to get, uh, you know, out of balance with that. But let's go on and talk about, um, I just want to say this one more thing, that remember Eve was deceived but why was she deceived? Does anybody remember why? 
because she didn't know the word on that topic. To eat or not to eat, that is the question. She wasn't sure the word on that topic. She didn't know the, uh, the truth. And it is the truth that will set us free and keep us walking in a place of freedom. So we must know the word and we must know what God says on different topics so that the enemy has no place in us. All right, let me read Deuteronomy eleven sixteen. Deuteronomy eleven sixteen says, Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside to serve other gods and worship them. Did you know your heart can deceive you? Did you know you can be deceived according to your own fleshly lust and will? Obadiah 1.3 says, The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who dwell in the cliffs of the rock, whose uh, habitation is high, you who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Got these people with these little haughty attitudes and these little got their nose up and they just think they're just got it all going on and they're proud and who's going to bring me down and who can stop me? You know, God says there are several things he hates and a proud look is one of them. He hates a proud look and a proud heart brings deception. You are being deceived when you, are get, when you get proud and you think you've got it going on and you've got it together and you, you know, I can do this and I got a good job and I got a good income or, you know, I, I've got this skill, I'm a good uh, football player, I can, you know, I can go to the NFL or, you know, whatever, I, whatever your area that the enemy might bring pride, I'm intelligent, I can, you know, do all these things. Pride is something you need to run from because it always opens the door for deception. And it says that we can deceive ourselves through falling into these traps of fleshly, lustly things that we ourselves want and desire and makes us feel good. But that is a low level of deception. That is not even the deception I'm concerned about today. We're all dealing with that deception and we know how some people really, uh, you know, have strongholds in that area. But that is just beginner deception. You're on the beginner level if that's what you're dealing with because there's deceptions that's coming that's far greater than any kind of deception like that. In Luke 21.8, he said, Take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name saying, I am he. The time has drawn near, therefore go, do not go after them. He says, take heed that you be not deceived. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture and you can jot it down if you don't have time to turn. But 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? How more clear can you get than that? 
we got all kinds of voices out there saying, well, it really don't matter what you do and how you live. God loves everybody, and it's going to be okay. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom? How more You can't say it any clearer than that. So that means there are some people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you may say, well, Suzanne, are you saying that, you know, if we sin, we're not going to get to go to heaven? No, I am not saying that because these are states of being. Homosexuals, that is a state of being. That doesn't mean that you have once uh, had an experience and, and it was a bad experience. You repented, you turned from it, God forgave you, and that's the end of it. It's under the blood. God remembers it no more. You, you've sinned. The Spirit of the Lord convicted you. You repented. You turned from it. God is all about forgiving us the blood of jesus was shed for us and he said if we will be quick to repent he will forgive and he will wash us clean and we can walk in righteousness and we can walk knowing that we are cleansed there are people who are in prisons today that have committed horrible horrible things but they have repented and they have turned from their uh, wicked ways. God has forgiven them and cleansed them. And he says he puts it in the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't even remember it anymore. So I'm not talking about those people because that is not what this scripture is talking about. These are states of being. A state of being is the state that you find yourself existing. It is who you are. Who am I? Whoever I am is that which will be judged. The state of being that I am is what will be judged. Not on the accidents and the mistakes that I have made throughout life. Because we've all made them. But it's a state of being. It's when you stay in that state and you remain in that state and you do not leave that state. That state of being will either keep you in the kingdom of heaven or it will get you out of the kingdom of heaven. So don't be deceived when the enemy comes to try to make you feel bad about who you are. You know, you did something wrong one time and he begins to remind you of all those things you did wrong. Just be quick to say, yeah, you're right, I did. But that's under the blood and it's covered. Get out of here in Jesus' name. I'm forgiven. I repented for that. Nobody remembers that but you, devil. Get out of here. Because the word of God says there's therefore now no condemnation. He's not here to condemn you. If you're being condemned, that is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts and the Holy Spirit draws you from a heart of love, from the heart of God that says, I love you. I want to forgive you. I want to cleanse you. I want to wash you. I want to make you ever with whole. Come unto me. That is the Holy Spirit. And just like the song we sung today, it says, Your love draws me. 
Your love draws me. Your goodness draws me. We get into the presence of God and we realize how sinful we are. We know that we've fallen. We know that we haven't lived up to things that we should have done. And the, and the Spirit of the Lord is so loving and kind. He just draws us into his arms and he just wants to comfort us and say, you know, uh, I know you didn't do it right, honey. That's all right. I love you and I know you love me. You know, and it draws you into his loving arms. How many times have I felt like I had failed the Lord, I had sinned, I had done wrong, but his love drew me back into his presence because it was so kind and forgiving and merciful. But on the other hand, when people are wanting to live in a state from which they do not repent and do not turn from, then it is pretty clear in the word that they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But the Spirit of the Lord will draw us to his presence if we have a heart of repentance. Now, in uh, Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And this goes back to our daily actions as well. 2 Timothy 3.12 But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. James 1.15-17 Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So there's a lot of uh, scripture in the word that is constantly telling us to take heed and to be careful that we not be deceived. We are told many, many times to pay attention to what's going on around us that we not be deceived. Now, today I wanted to talk about uh, a scripture that's very famous, and I mean, I know everybody talks about it, but it's in Matthew 24. And I want to read this to you, and I want to talk with you a little bit as we go along. This is, message today is not so much... Um, a teaching, I don't think. Uh, it's not really a preaching, I don't think. It's really more of a, of a little bit of warning, maybe. You know, the prophet comes to most of the time. Prophets are not real people that's going to hug your neck and love on you and tell you how wonderful you are. They're not going to cuddle you and that kind of thing. Most of the time, prophets are going to say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's time for you to straighten up. Now get it right, you know. And they're going to give you warnings. And they're going to give you um, information about where the Spirit of the Lord is leading and taking the body of Christ. Well, that's what I'm all about. Because no matter what I want to talk about, you know, the Spirit of the Lord drives these topics down in my heart to tell the body of Christ, get ready, prepare. Now is the time. And even with this message today, this spirit of deception is going to become, become so strong that even the Bible talks about even the elect will be deceived if possible. So I'm telling you, this is not going to be a deception that is going to be, you know, real simple. Oh, the devil's going to come in with his horn and his little outfit and his red, and we're going to say, oh, you're the devil. I know not to have nothing to do with you. It's not going to be that simple. It's going to be a very uh, subtle thing. 
Because as the body of Christ begins to arise in power and uh, demonstration, and one of the things that me as the prophet, the Lord's been stirring within my heart, is that I walk in a, in a, in a, um, in a ministry that is not in word but in power and demonstration. And I believe that that's coming. And every time I minister, I expect it to happen that day. But the Lord's already told me that I will walk in a, in a ministry with demonstration. That it will actually, God will show up with signs, wonders, and miracles. The only thing about that is that at the same time that the body of Christ is beginning to arise with that anointing, there's going to be others that are going to arise with the deception that's going to arise with that same anointing and it's going to be deceptive from the enemy. How are we as the body of Christ going to know who to listen to, who to follow, who to jump on board and on the bandwagon with and who to stay away from? Because the spirit of deception is going to be so rampant and so strong. But let's read uh, Matthew 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now is a timing word. And I want you to look at these timing words. Anybody? Well, all of you know this. I know you do. But there are words that we use in the language arts field or writing fields that are called timing words. They say now, next, later, beforehand. You know, we use all these words to try to guide us through a time element. Well, he uses this word, this timing word, now. Now, as he sat at the Mount of Olives, so we know that this is present time. He's sitting there at the Mount of Olives, and the disciples are come up to him, and they're saying, can you give us a sign or tell us when these things are going to happen? Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, the first thing that comes out of Jesus' mouth is take heed that no man deceive you. They're sitting there talking to Jesus, and they're asking him, tell us about the end times and about the things that's going to happen. And the first thing he says, take heed that no man deceive you. Well, I have come to learn that when Jesus speaks, pay attention to what he's saying. He doesn't say a lot of things. He doesn't have the gift of gab like some of us. He don't just talk just to be talking. He don't talk just to hear himself talk. Everything Jesus says has a very significant value. And he says the first thing, take heed. That means we got to do it. Pay attention that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. Now, you know, I always read that and thought, well, many will come in my name. They'll come saying, okay, I'm Jesus Christ. No, he said they will come in his name. They didn't say, he didn't say they'll come calling themselves me. They said they'll come in my name. They'll come to you and they'll say, I come to you in the name of Jesus. They'll come to you in my name saying, this is Jesus. This is it. 
Here I am. I come in Jesus' name. But they will deceive many. Hmm. Well, that's going to make it a little difficult. Especially people that tend to just want to believe what everybody says. And you want to love people and you want to receive people. And you feel bad if you reject them. You know, you want to just, yes, we love everybody. There was a lady that um, was here when the last time I ministered, uh, Daylene. And, uh, huh? What? Oh, yeah, when she was here. Yes, I'm sorry. But there was a lady that was here in the group that she kept waiting for me to pray for her. She kept waiting for me to pray for her. And I was real busy praying for a lot of people. And uh, at the very end, she says, I have waited just for you to pray for me. Well, me having a heart, and I love everybody, and I am not going to, you know, turn anyone away, I wanted to pray for her. And I kept trying to get to that point and pray for her. And I... I said, well, where are you from? And she was from Florida. She wasn't anywhere around here, so I don't even think that. I think you know her. She was way down from Florida. She had driven up. I don't know how she knew about the meeting. I don't know any details. But anyway, she kept, I said, well, you know, and I was stalling. I was really stalling because I was not feeling like I was supposed to pray for her. But I thought, but, oh, Lord, i got to pray for her. You know, <laughs> i got to pray for everybody, don't I, Lord? And, uh, and I said, well, well, can you come back, you know? And, you know, and she just said, no, I can't come back. And she was giving me all this information, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, Lord, tell me what I'm supposed to do. How am I going to handle this? And I said, well, just let me just um, say one little prayer for you. Well, I said, let me hold your hand. Well, when I held her hand, I saw some stuff in the Spirit, which I'm one, I see things, but anyway. Um, and I just knew that there was just a major, major Spirit operating there that was not right. Spirit of witchcraft, a lot of stuff going on. Major darkness. And the Lord just said, do not pray for her. Do not. And I, I, I was stuck. You know, what do you do? How do you, I mean, I don't know. So I tried to pray for just a minute. I said, well, Lord, you know, I just... Um, uh, thank you for this day, and we just love you, Lord. I'm <laughs> just thinking of everything I could pray. And uh, I said, but I pray, Lord, that you will touch my sister's life and you will help her in whatever situation is, you know, working against her. And that's all I could do. I mean, that's all I could do. And so I gave her my card. I said, please just, you know, call me sometime, whatever. But anyway, as soon as she left I felt you know like as a person I kind of felt bad I thought now Lord I don't like not being able to pray for people you know because um, but the Lord is teaching me that I've got to be obedient to the Spirit of God and quit trying to do it in my natural understanding as soon as I she walked out the door two other ladies two or three were over here praying and when I walked over there they said we have had the heaviest spirit of witchcraft all over us. We have had headaches, but it's gone now. It's like when I walked up, the headaches were gone. Well, it wasn't because I walked up, but it was because somebody had left. Well, those things come from discerning of spirits. You've got to be 
pay attention to what the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with you about, and be honest. You know, um, if you know if if you're not feeling right about something, there may be a reason for that, and just back off and say, "Well, right now I'm not. You know, I'm just not." getting liberty to pray, y'all go ahead and pray or whatever. But you dismiss yourself. I had that happen to me again in, uh, in Cuba. I, somebody said, you come over here and pray right here. Well, I stood there. The Spirit of the Lord said, no, do not touch anybody. Do not lay your hands on anybody. And so here I am, I'm standing here being told by somebody that thinks they're an authority that I'm supposed to go do that. Well, I go over there, and I stand around and kind of pray for them. You know, I kind of do this thing. I'm praying and kind of just going around them, just letting them do it. And, um, well, afterwards, I am reprimanded. Well, you did not do what I asked you to do. Well, I was put, put between a rock and a hard place. The Spirit of the Lord had told me, do not lay your hands on anybody. So what do I do? Do I do what they, you know, what the Spirit of the Lord told me to do, or do I do what the person tells me to do? Well, I opted to follow God, and they got mad with me. I said, "Well, look, I apologize to you because I would not disagree with you in any way. I love you, I bless you, but I don't know. The Spirit of the Lord told me not to touch anybody, so I'm sorry I could not touch anybody. And you know, that's just the way it went. And uh, so sometimes being true to the Spirit of the Lord in you may not follow along with what somebody else is telling you to do. You've got to learn to follow the Spirit of God in you. Now, if you're being uh, led by the wrong spirit, that is going to have to be judged according to the Word of God, and you've got to stay in the Word. And you've got to stay before the Lord in prayer and in praise and worship. That is why it's so necessary to come to church, to stay under the feeding of the Word, to stay in the presence of God, so that if there's any deception or anything trying to creep into your life, it can be exposed and you can judge it. But anyway, the Bible says, I mean, the Word of God says here, take heed that no man deceive you. That's what Jesus said. Um, For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise upon nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. For all these are just the beginning of sorrows. Now this whole paragraph right here, or two paragraphs, is level one of deception. This particular uh, area of deception is where I believe that we are entering into now. I believe we're into this time period now of where this level of deception is about to arise. But then we go into another time uh, period where it says then, this is a time change, he says these, all of these are just the beginning of sorrows. This time frame, this time period. But then, talking about the next time period, that they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. I thought he just said a prophets were, I mean, people were going to rise and deceive many. 
No, that was in that time period. There will be people that are going to arise during this time period that's going to deceive. But we're going to move into another time frame where the level of deception is going to be up a notch. It's going to be another level of deception that is going to be far more powerful than the kind of deception that's in the time period previously and that's in the time period that we're in now. Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, and love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world uh, as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Now he's going, uh, going into verse 15. We're going to move into the final time period. It says, Therefore... When you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place. Now, those of you that don't know about that, that's in Daniel eleven thirty one and Daniel twelve eleven, And we're talking about the abomination of desolation standing in the uh, temple. Well, no, it doesn't say that. Spoken by the, Daniel, uh, the prophet. And what that's talking about, Daniel's talking about when the Antichrist comes and he, he, uh, he stands in the temple uh, it's, this is in Jerusalem, and he begins to reveal himself, then these things are about to happen. So we know that at that point, we are beginning the three and a half years of uh, tribulation. Okay, but anyway, let me go on. Uh, then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let them who are in the mountain housetop not go down and take anything out of the house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant or to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight be not in the winter uh, or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time nor uh, ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. For the elite's sake, those days will be shortened. And then we've got another time change again. Then, if anyone says to you, look here is the Christ and there, do not believe it. For false prophets or false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if, you say, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go. Go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will coming will shall be the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will gather. He says, don't be deceived because, he said, when Jesus comes, it's going to be like lightning flashing. Everybody's going to know it. You don't have to worry about that you're not going to know it because a flat, it's going to be like a flash of lightning from the east and to the west or a flash of lightning coming across the sky. It's going to be a big deal when Jesus comes. Everybody's going to know it because nations are going to tremble. And it says immediately after the tribulation of those days, which is talking about a time frame here, after the uh, tribulation of those days, the ones that we just talked about, the sun will be darkened and the moon shall be give its, uh, will not give its light and the stars shall fall from the heavens and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Then the uh, sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven 
and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with great sounds of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elite from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. Now, he's back to now. He's back to now, them sitting on the mount. He says, learn this from the uh, fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth the leaves, you know that summer is now, near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that, this is, that, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say unto you, this generation will uh, by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not by no means pass away. Um, so we're seeing here that there is a um, many things uh, ahead of us as the body of Christ, as the church. And one of the things that is ahead of us is a spirit called deception. And this spirit of deception is, is nothing to take lightly. It is something that we need to pay close attention to. We need to begin to pray now for that spirit of discernment. We need to begin to learn to follow the Spirit of the Lord in us, to pay attention to as the Spirit of the Lord is leading us in our workplace, in our schools, wherever we are, to guide us on what to do and what not to do. It's going to be more and more needed that you as an individual will know how to handle situations when you're out in, in the marketplace. Because that's where the harvest is. That's where we're to go and, and bring in the harvest. And we don't have to fear because we know that God is with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is always right there with us. The Spirit of the Lord is there to direct our path. He is there to speak to us. He said, my sheep hear my voice. So you hear the voice of God and you need to become comfortable with hearing that voice. But you also need to practice being obedient to that voice. Just like I was saying, I've had to learn to practice just no matter what it looked like to me. I've had to just be, learn to be obedient to the Spirit of the Lord speaking to me and follow that voice. And I'm learning that it is actually really and truly leading me. Even though I don't understand many times why I'm told not to do this or not to do that, I'm learning to follow that voice and to depend upon that voice to show me what to do because deception is rampant upon the earth today and I wonder if we're not even under a certain amount of deception people everywhere not just us in this room but our world in, in general when we are willing to put uh, the fleshly things of this world before as priority over our spiritual lives is that not a form of deception when we're thinking that the things of this world have more priority and are more important than our spiritual lives, and people everywhere are neglecting their spiritual lives and their spiritual uh, building up and training to just go pursue natural things. The Word of God tells us to lay up in, in heaven treasures, lay our treasures in heaven, to be busy building treasures in heaven, to be busy building the kingdom. But the world tells us, don't waste your time on that. Build your kingdom here on earth. Build up yourself here on earth. But this is temporary. This will end. This will be over. And it's only that which is spiritual that will last. And so we need to be busy training ourselves and teaching ourselves and learning to discern the voice of our Father.
and the voice of the Lord.